Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Did you know that despite accounting for over half the college-educated workforce, women in the United States made up only 29% of those employed in science and engineering, or STEM roles? That's according to the latest research done by the research group Catalyst. For women of color, the number is even smaller, at 11.5%. But here's an even more disturbing statistic. In engineering, specifically for Latinas, this figure drops, along with my jaw, to a low of 2.3%. In this episode, we get to celebrate one of these trailblazing Latina women who has worked hard against the odds, fighting tooth and nail to be in this elite 2.3%, Ileana Quinones. I have an inspiring conversation with Ileana, who is the Senior Director of Solutions Engineering at Salesforce, to find out exactly what it's like working with the boys and find out how we can pave the way for future female generations. Iliana is an award-winning Latin trailblazer woman in engineering and a developer of leaders. She is a passionate advocate and an ambassador for equality, diversity, and inclusion. Her career in high-tech industry spans over 25 years across three continents and more than 15 countries, working at both enterprise and startup companies. She has held leadership positions in several functional areas, including solutions engineering, product, marketing strategy, consulting, and business development. She is the former chair of the board for Latino Force, the Salesforce Latinx Employee Resource Group, and currently serves as their advisor. Iliana is originally from Mexico City. She holds a Bachelor in Science and Computer Science from Universidad Iberoamericana and a Master in Science in Information Systems from the London School of Economics. She lives in San Francisco with her husband and her two daughters. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Ileana. Welcome, Ileana. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. I am thrilled to have you on. Um, you and I have gotten to know each other as, as you know, just colleagues um, in our, you know, in our careers, just working at tech companies within the tech industry, because there's so few Latinas that, uh, you know, we always reach out and try to connect. And um, now I have you on our podcast captive for all of our audience to hear the pearls of wisdom that you can share with them. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about your story and what you've learned along your journey because you are kind of a pioneer and a, you know, paving the way for um, other um, women of color and Latinas in an industry like technology that we don't see, um, you know, a lot of women with your background. So share a little bit about that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Monica. And thank you for the invitation to be in this podcast. Really happy to hear you. And so you say hello to everybody in the audience there too. Um, my journey, my journey started many years ago. As uh-huh. I said, I'm a Latina, proud Latina, and I'm a trailblazer, women in engineering. Uh-huh. I'm originally from Mexico City. 
and I'm actually the eldest of three sisters. Uh, as you can imagine, I'm being a uh-huh. Latina, and um, I'm, I'm not going to disclose my age necessarily, but I can tell you that <laughs> I started my, my academic degrees and all that, my bachelor's in computer sciences, which was definitely not one of the common things mm. to do being a Latina about 30 right. years ago, right? And uh, not to mention my father was a doctor, so the basically what everybody was expecting was for me to go on become a doctor, which right. I decided, well, no, I really can't be uh, close to blood. So doctors are going to work. <laughs> You're a little queasy. Okay. Totally. Totally. So, um, so I decided to go into, into computer sciences. Now it was very interesting because for me, one of the lessons learned, not just from that decision I made about going into computer sciences and engineering, mm-hmm. but throughout my, my journey, my professional journey, my personal journey is that I learned the importance of having role models. So mm-hmm. that's very, very important. One of the reasons why I got into, into engineering and computer sciences is because of two things. One is I love technology. Oh, I've always loved technology and computers. But two, because I had uh, my youngest aunt actually had been studying that before me, five years before mm-hmm. me. And she became one of the trailblazing women in Mexico City working in technology in computer sciences for a financial services company, okay. which was almost like a double whammy. Like mm-hmm. She got the best of both worlds in the sense that both were disciplines dominated by men. Mm-hmm. So I saw her and I realized that, hey, if she could do it, I could do it too. Mm-hmm. So having my fashion there, having my role model and having the encouragement of my family and friends, I decided to go into engineering. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward a few years after I finished my degree, I started working with American companies. So I got to, to know the American way of, of uh, working and uh, I got to travel a lot uh-huh. in my first years of um, professional work. And I did a lot of traveling in Latin America. So that also opened my eyes to how broad the world is, how mm, big the world is. Right. And the benefit of actually working with different cultures. So I got to travel to Brazil and Venezuela and Argentina and Colombia, all these different countries beautiful people, wonderful people, all of Latinas. So I got a very good sense of that. Uh-huh. So after a few years then, I realized, you know, this is great, but technology changes very, very fast. So my skill set was, I was very worried that I was not going to be relevant. I was not mm-hmm. going to be on top of what's going on in the market. Right. So I decided to go back to school at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, well, I travel a lot in Latin America. I work for American companies. So what is it missing? I don't know Europe. So I thought, well, let's go to Europe and study there. It's a different culture. It's across uh-huh. the ocean. And I ended up at the London School of Economics. I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to be accepted there. I got two scholarships because, by the way, I could not afford it myself. So I had to go and look for scholarships. Right. A great story there because the first year I requested the scholarship, I didn't get it. So oh. that was a very big setback for me. So I learned, well, I have two options. Either I cry over spilled milk or I get to try it again. So the following year, I tried uh-huh. again, and then I got two instead of one scholarship. That's so it was great. <laughs> yeah. Ended up in London. United Kingdom was a great experience. Studied mm-hmm. there. Did my dissertation at Oxford University. My master's degree was in information systems, applied to government and national development for different countries. Mm-hmm. So a very different take on the purely technical side of computer science. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Went back to Mexico, and then to make a long story short, that's when I took an opportunity. I got different job offers, and mm-hmm. I decided to take one to come to the U.S. with okay. a small company at the time. Uh-huh. Was still considered a startup. And when I moved here back in '98, so it's been 22 years almost. Uh-huh. Um, I came here, and the company did great. It went IPO. It became a public company. Great mm-hmm. ride. Gave me a lot of exposure, not just as an individual contributor, but actually I started 
doing a lot more management and starting mm-hmm. having more exposure to different functional areas. And since then, basically, it's been a great ride. I've worked in enterprise software companies. I've worked in small organizations, in startups, and I've always been uh, in what's called customer-facing situations or customer-facing roles, which right. is great for me. That's fantastic. And it's phenomenal how you um, have kind of, like you said, you did have some role models in the sense of, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And it was something mm-hmm. different. Um, but at the same time, you went into spaces and to areas that, you know, again, you may have been the only. Um, what are some of the, you know, and I'm sure there were some sometimes that moments of self-doubt or fears or limiting beliefs. What techniques or what helped you keep pushing forward that, you know, you were like, nope, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to keep moving forward, even though there's a little bit of unknown and uncertainty. Absolutely. That's a good question, Monica, because I was actually one of the very few. I'll give you an example. When I was in high school, right before joining college, right? My high school was also a math and science oriented. I was one of five women in a group of 70 people, 70 students. Mm -hmm. So the ratio, you can imagine, it was terrible for me, right? Right. To the point that I would get comments saying, what are you doing here? This is not for women. Mm -hmm. Right. So moving on to my career, also being the only one in different groups that I joined, different companies, uh, it was tough. The first thing I have to say, it is tough because mm-hmm. you do have fears about not being able to perform, mm-hmm. not meeting the expectations, having to work double, proving yourself again and again. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned through the years is a couple of things. Like one is you need to build your self-confidence mm-hmm. because you are talented, you have potential, and you have skill set. So one is to know that you can do it. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely a must. The other thing is fear is a natural response. It is literally a natural response in your body. So we're genetically wired to Mm -hmm. experience fear to unknown situations or to something new or to changes. Mm -hmm. So I would say the more exposure you get to those situations, they become less new. You become Mm -hmm. more used to it. You become more familiar to it. I think there's a scientific term for that, habituation. Mm-hmm. So you get familiar with it, and the more exposure you have, then the less the response <clears throat> sorry, that your body generates to fear. Mm, okay. So I would say, absolutely. For instance, if you are afraid of um, public speaking, mm-hmm. the more you take opportunities to do public speaking, the easier it's going to get the next mm-hmm. time. So that's something I would say, absolutely. One is build your self-confidence. There are different mm-hmm. ways you can do that. And second, expose yourself to that fear, those fearful situations for you, and mm-hmm. then you get familiar with it. Your body will respond, uh, providing less anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and then it will be easier to overcome. That's fantastic. And, you know, you sharing your story a little bit, how you said, you know, you took some opportunities um, with, you know, startups and different things like that. And in some cases, that can be a very difficult decision, right? Because you probably got lots of job offers from very well-established companies where there's a little bit more security and certainty in, you know, that role. Um, what techniques did you use in terms of making difficult decisions and taking risks? You know, what do you do whenever you come to a situation where you're like, do I, do I take this, you know, path, this unbeaten path or, you know, play the, play the safe, the safe, you know, in the safe zone. Um, What do you do? How do you handle those situations? Yeah. Something that works for me, Monica, is whenever I have to face a decision like that, right. Mm -hmm. uh, I always try to do what's called scenario planning. So mm. think about all the different scenarios that could be happening. Think about all the different variables that go into each scenario. 
Mm-hmm. And then think about what's the worst case, the best case. And then visualize yourself and how you'd be dealing with that. What did you do if that was the case, if that was happening today? Mm-hmm. Uh, doing that, you do two things. One is you start visualizing, which basically conditions you psychologically to be better prepared for it. Mm-hmm. But two, it allows you to analyze the different factors that go into that decision. And mm-hmm. with, in doing that, you will be able to minimize some of the risks. Mm-hmm. You will be able to say, hey, this, this particular thing that can happen, I could deal with that. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, if I take this job, it will have me traveling 90% of the time and I have a family. That's something I cannot deal with. Right. So that will give you a better view of what that particular scenario, that particular situation will look like. And it will let you analyze it, minimize the, minimize the risk and identify the areas that are important for you. The visualization of, like you said, because in a way you're already, you know, when the, if the situation happens, you already have a kind of a game plan of how you're going to mm-hmm. handle it as, as well. So you were, we were kind of weighing the upside and the downside yes. and figuring out how do I navigate out of the downside, Absolutely. which I think is important because a lot of us naturally look at the upside. And we don't think about the downside. And then there's wishful thinking that only the upside is going to happen. And when the downside happens, that's when you're like, okay, I don't know what to do. Fantastic. That is a good point. Um, If I may share, I'll tell you a quick quick story here. Uh, At some point, I was working for a very large corporation. I decided, okay, I want to switch companies. And I find a good company, got a great job offer. And the week before I was supposed to start in this company, I got another offer from a startup. Mm. And this is at a time where I had been in the startup, so I knew the risk that was associated with it. But this mm-hmm. particular startup, the benefit was that I, it was going to give me the opportunity to work with a big name CEO in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was a tough decision. It was, well, the fear of I have committed to the other company. The other company is more established. It's a great package. I'm going to start up. I'll be going to a startup, which is a lot of risk. It's an unknown. It's going to be very stressful working with this this particular individual, but Uh I could learn a ton. Right. So at that point, it was about what was important for me at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was important to say, I want to challenge myself to work with people like this who have been so successful because I could learn a lot from them. And yes, the downside is if the company doesn't make it, if Mm -hmm. they have to pivot, or if we run out of funding, I will be out of the job. At that point, going back to what we were saying before, scenario planning for me was, okay, let's visualize it. I start going there. After a year, there's no more money. Then I'm back in the market. But then I have learned and built a lot of skills that have been added to my toolbox. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my market relevance will continue to be really good. So I can look for other opportunities. Going back to the self-confidence point. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And that's a phenomenal story. And those are exactly those hard decisions that I'm talking about. And I love the way you laid it out of just, you know, kind of also setting boundaries, right? Like, okay, in a year, I can reassess and we'll go from there. And so you kind of had this plan, game plan in in there. So that kind of, you know, goes towards my, a good kind of leeway into my next question around, you know, what are some of the daily habits and rituals that help you continue to be successful, right? Because that this, the one where you're saying your scenario plane, um, where you kind of your scenario planning is definitely been something that's attributed to your success. But what are some other um, habits or rituals that you do that kind of keep you on your toes and keep that A game going? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I'm constantly working on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think it has been different through my journey, right? I think it was different when I was a single person, just new to the country, new to the jobs. Then when I got married, it was a little different. Now I have two teenagers, I need uh-huh. puppy in the house. So <laughs> things change. So it's very dynamic. But I can tell you the one thing that has always worked for me in terms of rituals or habits, and that is prioritization. So prioritization of the things that I need to focus or work on. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of to-do lists. So mm-hmm. you will find like I always run three to-do lists. One for my professional environment, my job. Mm-hmm. One for my personal environment. And one for my networking component. Mm-hmm. So those three lists I will review every day religiously. At the end of the day, I will reprioritize some of those spending items that I have to work on. Some of them I will even delegate to others. Mm-hmm. And some of them I will even eliminate completely if they are not, not really meaningful for me anymore or they don't make sense at that point. So that's the one habit that I have kept mm-hmm. no matter what, when I was single, when I got married, when I became a mother. So I keep doing that even to this day. The other thing that I also am a little bit religious about mm-hmm. is uh, quiet time. Mm. So you need to disconnect. So on a daily basis, try to find those, whatever, even if it's five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Some people do that with meditation, which mm-hmm. is great. Some people do that watching TV and completely disconnecting for, from the world, which is fine. Mm-hmm. For me, what works is also at night, I work, um, I try to go out walk for a walk for about mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I walk 20 minutes and that's the time I used to listen to my Latin music that I can't yeah. without. <laughs> uh-huh. So I listen to my Latin music 20 minutes, I'm exercising, I'm walking, I'm getting fresh air. It's the end of the day. Sometimes I will be working on my to-do list at that point and uh-huh. it's really good. I come back home and I'm like, I feel relaxed. So it's uh-huh. the end of the day. And then, of course, in the morning, what I would say is I'm a big fan of coffee. I'm a big <laughs> coffee drinker, so I need to start my day with coffee. Uh-huh. So I do that. And the other thing I do in the mornings is I think about one or two things that I can give back to my community, mm. whether that's to my network, my family, or my friends. Even if it's a quick message for happy birthday for one of my friends, or even if it's a quick note to my mom who is in Mexico and her know that everything's okay, Right. Or if I know that a friend or in my network is looking for a job, I will do a quick search and see what's available there. Can I refer mm-hmm. him to someone? So mm-hmm. those three things, I think, keep me balanced, both personally in terms of giving time for myself, giving mm-hmm. time for the people I care about, and then making me disconnect from the hustle and bustle of the daily life. That's fantastic. And I think that's something I may want to adopt too. I'm taking notes here. <laughs> so, um, but one of the interesting things you mentioned, and, and I know this because you live it and lead it, is you talked about a to-do list of, for community and mentorship. <laughs> and I can attest to the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. you are someone who honestly is, you know, you reached out to me. I remember that's how we connected. You reached out yeah. to me. And it was more, you know, to connect, but also to provide me with an opportunity to speak on a panel. And, and mm-hmm. you know, we didn't know each other at the time, but you did, you, you reached out and you were like, hey, fellow Latina here in the technology space would love <laughs> yes. to engage you. And so um, community is exceptionally important. And I find more and more that women... Um, underestimate the power of community and you are a perfect example of how you actually have built your you know your community and you leverage it but you give so much to your community and and you get back from it tell me what's the key to building those 
lasting relationships and, and, you know, how important is community to you? Mm -hmm. How important? It's very, very important, Monica, both personally and professionally. I think it it stems from being part, partially it's my background as a Latina. We're very family-oriented, community-oriented, but also it's very practical. You need a network of support. So Mm -hmm. when I moved, for instance, to London for my master's degree, I was alone. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly found out that without friends, without a community of support, I was not going to make it. I was going to mm-hmm. feel very desperate, lonely, hopeless, helpless. So I needed to build a community. Mm-hmm. When I came to this country also, I didn't know anyone. So I, I had to start from, from the ground up, building right. my network, my community. But I never, kept, I never lose sight of my community in Mexico, my community in London when I came to this country. Mm-hmm. So I kept nurturing my networks and building on top of those communities. Mm-hmm. So one of the important things about building a community or, or your network is that it has to be broad. It cannot just be your immediate circle. It cannot just mm-hmm. be your peers and your colleagues. And it cannot just be your friends from college. You need to have different areas, different circles that mm-hmm. will add value to your network. And it's also very important because when we actually meet with people that are pretty much like our own or have the same background or the same type of thinking, we're right. not enriching our environment. So mm-hmm. that's why we need to look for those broad networks. Even if it's people that you don't necessarily meet with very often or mm-hmm. talk to very often or know very well, it's what usually is calling networking weak ties. Mm-hmm. You need to rely on those weak ties to keep your community broad and relevant. And those are the people that can also help you accelerate your career. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can learn from them things that otherwise with the people you're exposed to on a daily basis, you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. So keeping your community and your network broad, important. Keeping your, your environment connected. So mm-hmm. looking at those second degree connections, third degree connections, trying to build new ties every day, that's important. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I would say is that your network has to be dynamic. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? A network is not really... Um, we're not going to think about successful networks based on the number of people you know. So mm. it's not about the quantity. It's right. about the quality of those connections, right? right? And it has to be dynamic. That means it has to be responsive, it has to be agile, and it has to grow with your career and with, even with your personal journeys. Mm-hmm. So for instance, in my network, I have this personal belief, and I work really hard at this, that my network, my connections, when I actually request something... I have, um, I'm very fortunate that uh, most of the people will reply within 24 to 48 hours mm-hmm. or request a question I have. But I think a lot of it is a function of me giving back to the community when nobody's asking for something. Mm. So finding the joy, finding you fulfillment in giving to the community at the time when nobody's necessarily asking you for something, right? But you mm-hmm. offer an article that's interesting for some people. You offer some links to jobs for someone who, you know, it's searching Right. Um, providing insights into different topics that are relevant in the world we live in, all those things actually make yourself relevant to that network and mm-hmm. keep, keep yourself in mind with all those individuals mm-hmm. so that when you finally need something from some of them, it's not going to be like a cold outreach, hey, Monica, can you do this for me? Right. You need to give first to be mm-hmm. able to, to then receive or, or to even have the, the right to, to ask for something. I think that's so important because I do get the question a lot from individuals of, you know, um, how do I build my network, right? And so, and I think you do it very brilliantly. And like you said, you focus on what can you give, um, you know, and build that relationship. And 
you know, is that the only thing that helps you gain access to influential leaders? Like, what are some other things that you do when, you know, even as you were saying in certain roles, when you might need a mentor or a leader who is kind of a few years ahead of you that you can learn mm-hmm. from, um, how do you, how do you approach them? What, what exactly, you know, what is it that you would do in order to kind of gain their mentorship? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's a couple of things. One is you have to be intentional about what you are trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. And the other one is you have to be bold, Mm. especially with those people that are years ahead of you in experience, in seniority. We all come from this place of, oh my God, it's a CEO, it's a CIO or CSO, Mm -hmm. whichever C-level executive, right? Mm -hmm. But when you think about, well, at the end of the day, they are people, they are human beings. So Mm -hmm. reaching out, being able to reach out to them. But I would say when you do that, I would be very intentional. So first of all, I would identify why do I, why am I even trying to reach out to these people Mm -hmm. or to this particular persona or role? Mm -hmm. Second is if I'm going to reach out to them, I need to know about their journey. I need to do my own research. I need to do my homework. And I need to know what of those things that they did or are doing are relevant for me. And what, what is it that I feel passionate? Where, where do I feel, feel like we have a connection or we could have a connection? And then use that when you're reaching out to them. Mm. And then the reaching out is a hard part, right? We need right. to figure out, I want to connect with this person. And this is the part that I really feel interested in learning more about. But how do I actually reach out? I would say you can always go either the cold route or the warm intro route. Right. So the warm intro is try to find someone who knows them already that mm. you are connected with or that you know know about. So right. that would be a warm introduction, right? So that they can someone is going to be speaking on your behalf and it's going to be an introduction for you with those people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's going to be pretty hard because you may not have anyone in your network who knows them. So at right. that point, I would definitely put a lot more emphasis and time in researching. What are potential connection points? Like you mentioned, Monica, when I reached out to you, we had attended an event together mm-hmm. a few years ago. Uh-huh. And I reached out to you and I said, you may not remember me, but we were in this event together. I'm also involved in diversity and inclusion efforts. I work at this company. It would be great to connect at some point. Mm-hmm. These are things that I could contribute to what you are doing, Monica, with Beyond Barriers. If you feel like at any mm-hmm. point in time that would be relevant, feel free to reach out. Uh-huh. And I left it open. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing you can do. I have a very good friend who told me that uh, she was trying to reach this very high-level CEO, and uh, he had actually wrote a book many, many years ago before he was a big, big shot in the industry. Right. Uh-huh. And that's how she reached out. She said, hey, my name is XYZ. I want to connect with you. I think you'd be a great mentor. I think there's a lot of connecting points, especially because I've been following your trajectory, your life journey, since the time you wrote this book. And she included a couple of passages of the book. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, wow. She mm-hmm. couldn't believe that someone was interested in his life journey to the point of remembering the book, the passage, and being bold enough to, to access, to get the access to him, right? To connect with him. Mm-hmm. And she got that. And she got him as a lifelong mentor. So that's, you have to be bold. Fantastic. You have to be yes. intentional. <laughs> intentional, yes, and knowing what you're asking for, right? Because, um, like you said, the intention of why you're reaching out to this person, like making yes. sure that there is a reason and there is an ask, so that the individual knows exactly what it entails, um, is so Absolutely. important. That's fantastic. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask you um, was, you know, research out there shows that, um, you know. 
only 5% of people actually really meet their goals. They set, you know, set certain goals, but they really don't achieve those goals. And I find you and your story and your journey of like, you know, you've set some really high goals for yourself and, um, you know, and, and you've pursued them and you've actually achieved them. Um, how do you go about doing that? What is it that you, you know, that you do when you set a goal? Um, how do you actually achieve that goal where, you know, as we know, right, it's a common tradition, people <laughs> set goals on, on New Year's yeah. Day, and, and by the time February rolls around, 95% of the people have fallen <laughs> off. Um, and, and you're not like that. So what is it that you do? What's the secret to achieving mm. all of your professional goals? Well, first of all, thank you for that comment, Monica. <laughs> um, I have achieved a lot of things, but I have to say I have not achieved some others. Um, uh-huh. But just answering your question, right? I think one thing that has, again, helped me that may help some people or maybe relevant for some people in the audience too mm-hmm. is that I tend to set the goals that are realistic. Mm-hmm. So I shoot for the star and the moons, but then my goals are realistic, right? And I try to, to build them in chunks, so mm. what is achievable for me in the next six months and the next year? What do, it's like a stepping stone mm-hmm. to maybe a bigger goal that I have. So think about right. your bigger goals, your bigger mission in life, your vision of what you want to do, what you want to be known for, mm-hmm. and then start looking at those stepping stones and be realistic about that. Mm-hmm. Setting the goal, setting the deadline, setting the timeline, and also establishing the support network that you need mm-hmm. to prepare for that journey. So I think that's, that's key. That, that's very important. But the other thing that is super important, and it has helped me more than one time, uh-huh. is that in my vocabulary, I try not to say that I've had failures, right? Mm. I have had experiences and lessons learned. Mm. So it's a very minor <laughs> thing, but it does the trick. Right. It definitely does the trick. Because when we think about failure, failure is associated with, with loss, Right? You mm. need to mourn something that you lost, something you didn't do. That's just a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. If you switch your mindset to think about failures as, you know, it was not a failure. It was, it was experience, certainly a challenging experience, mm-hmm. but I learned a lot from it. And switch your mindset and refocus your thinking about what did you learn from it. Mm-hmm. If you had to do it again, what did you do different? So I think that is one of the keys, um, kind of like secret sauce components um, mm-hmm. that I would say for everybody is very important to think about and keeping you resilient there, mm-hmm. right? The ability to come back, even if you experience those challenging experiences, even if you learn a lot, you also need to build up on your resilience, which is basically the ability to cope with difficult situations. Mm-hmm. There are different things that you can do about it. One is... Um, designing uh, an ability to cope. So how do you mm-hmm. cope with difficult situations? You also need to, some people go as far as to say, you need to develop survivorship skills, which could be very well pointed to. Uh-huh. But I would say something even more simple than that, switching your mindset in the way you think at a potential failure or a potential challenge and keeping a little bit of the optimistic view of the world definitely goes a long way. And you know, that resonates so much with me, Eliana, because I am a, I always say I'm a recovering perfectionist, right? <laughs> and for perfectionists, failure sometimes can be like just, you know, paralyzing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really did learn, I have to learn and I still sometimes will relapse, right? And I have to remind myself that failures are teachable moments and that I have to separate that failure of not becoming part of my identity, but becoming more about, okay, what are the skill sets or what are the skills or the competence? that I need to learn or master to, um, you know, in order to grow 
and, you know, not experience that, have that experience again, right? So I love the way you put it, that you have, um, you know, experiences and learning moments um, and, and that mindset. Uh, so I definitely, that's something I will be adopting <laughs> because I'm constantly um, fighting with myself um, because I, I have learned to embrace failure, right? You can't be successful without failures, mm -hmm. but there are times where that mindset of not looking at that failure as something that's defining who you are as to instead what can I learn from this um, so I love your I love that answer that's fantastic thank you and I'll give you an example of that Monica if, if I may yes um, when I had my first child actually my second child uh, mm -hmm. you think about women a few years ago right when we uh -huh. didn't have all those wonderful maternity leaves leave of absence that we have now in the corporate right world, right, right. high tech we didn't have those at the time but for me, to coming back after my second pregnancy, my second child, coming back into the market, still trying to be relevant with new skill set, I had to right. prepare a lot. But the biggest experience or lesson learned for me was that the world is a work and businesses will be businesses. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be very relevant because I have all these years of experience. I have a master's degree. I mm -hmm. have all these connections. And it was really tough because the perception and the biases that people had about mothers that had just had two children under the mm -hmm. age of five coming back into the workplace was like, oh my gosh, uh, yes. this is going to be so hard, right? She's not going to be focused. She's going to have so many things to do. Um, really, it was bias that I had mm -hmm. to fight against. Yeah. So that was, again, a challenging experience. I learned a lot. And I think something that also was important that I learned about that experience was mm -hmm. you need to not feel defeated if you can't get back to the point where you were before mm -hmm. a major event happens in your life. Right. Because such is life. So you have to embrace it. You have to understand it, internalize it, but don't let that define you. Mm -hmm. So think about how you can go around it, how you can go through it, how you can go maybe one step lower so that you can get back in the game and right. then accelerate your, your path. Mm -hmm. So, But don't let that define you and don't let that stop you. That's fantastic. And it, you know, that, that actually, you know, speaks to my heart because that was one of the big initiatives that I rolled out many years ago at Goldman was the returnship program because there were so many individuals like yourself that had so much to offer organizations. But like you said, there was this, um, this stereotype that if there was a gap on your resume that like it was career suicide and mm -hmm. um, and all of these individuals trying to come back in and they couldn't and so um, you know but I think it was individuals like yourself who kept pushing and saying okay this isn't going to define me how can I get around it and um, you know again it's this hidden talent pool of exceptional talent that um, you know people started realizing oh, wow, there's a lot of Ilianas out in this world that, you know, we need to like bring them back in. And I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, and not letting it define you and just kind of pushing forward. Now, you touched a little bit about how, you know, technology has disrupted the, the workplace, right? And, um, you know, work 10, 15 years ago is very different now in terms of um, where you can do work or how you get work done. Um, what advice would you give women on, you know, how they can maintain and continue to accelerate their success, even in this digital age where your skills today maybe completely opposite, obsolete 18 months from now. Um, what do you do to stay ahead? Yeah, that's an excellent question that we should always keep working on. Mm -hmm. So the environment will always change and you need to have the capacity to adapt to it. 
Mm-hmm. So the skill set that you had five years ago may not be relevant today, or maybe relevant, but you need to add to that skill set. Remember, we were talking earlier about our toolbox. We need to have different skills in our toolbox. Yes. So one thing I would say is keep learning. Keep learning in those areas that the market is asking for resources on mm. uh, or experience on. So that's one thing. That's the only way to remain market relevant, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing is once you, you educate yourself, you keep preparing yourself and learning and being relevant, is keep your relationships alive. Keep your networking mm-hmm. alive and dynamic and broad. So keep investing that. I, I would definitely advise anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you haven't really invested in networking at least a few hours a week, it's something you need to put into your agenda. Mm, definitely yes. invest in networking, whether that's through LinkedIn, virtual events, even bright gatherings. And then, of course, when hopefully we can all go back to in-presence type of events, mm-hmm. join a lot of those networking or industry association events. That's right. great, great paths for networking. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say is just think about you. You have your own personal brand. Mm-hmm. And personal brand is about what's your reputation at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So what does people say about you? What are you known for? Right? Because if, right. if I'm going to go and try to look for a different job, a different aspect, they may be checking my references. They may know about me from, from the same circle, the same network. So they mm-hmm. will be asking other people about me. So I would say if you don't have visibility or you have never asked yourself uh, how to do, for instance, a brand audit, <laughs> do that. You mm-hmm. need to know what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. Because mm-hmm. that reputation can carry forward and can either accelerate your career, especially in this digital age, because we, well, we cannot meet in person. We can all use the phone and use a Zoom meeting and use a Hangout and ask people about you, mm-hmm. right? So keep in mind, learning is important. Stay relevant. Keep your network dynamic and broad and connected mm-hmm. and make sure that your reputation is, is flawless and that you have a personal brand too. That is so just practical and tangible what you just mentioned. And I think one of the critical pieces that I will have our listeners make sure that they think about is I love what you said around the brand audit mm-hmm. and making sure that you know Um, what you're known for, what people think of you behind closed doors or what they say about you behind closed doors. So I think that is a fantastic tip because I think a lot of times we don't think about that. Um, And it may be a little scary to um, ask people, uh, but I guess I would ask you maybe to go in a little bit deeper. I know I said it was the last question, but I love the idea about the (laughs) brand audit, but how do you, how do you do your own brand audits to, to find out like, you know, what, what, um, if you need to kind of course correct what you want to be known for. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I just think about what people say to, about you this year, maybe different from a year from now or five years from now. So that's right. also a living thing. But a very simple exercise, Monica, that I personally like, I actually recommend it to my teams and I usually do it with my teams, all mm-hmm. my, my managers, my direct reports, my, my larger groups mm-hmm. is write down three questions and send it to different people from your different networks and circles. Send Mm -hmm. it to your group of peers, your colleagues, your family and your friends, people that you haven't seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Ask them, hey, if you could define me with one word or two words maybe, what would those be? Mm. If you were to say there are one or two things that I could improve to accelerate my career or to get to my next level at work, why don't you say those two things would be? Mm-hmm. And the third one would be, when you think of me, literally, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So that is very powerful because it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's a very 
It's not heavy lifting for your network and the people that you're contacting to reply to that. It mm -hmm. can be done in the mobile. It can be done in a quick email. It can be done just a quick outreach and you will get a ton of information because sometimes we may think that, oh, this is my brand. But what people perceive you about or, or mm -hmm. describe you, the words to describe you may be very, very different. So it's very different to understand the words that you use for yourself and the words that people use about you. And some of them are, can be very surprising. So right. that's something that I would recommend to do at least once every two years if you don't switch jobs too often mm -hmm. or functional areas or, or skill sets, but uh, probably more often if you're trying to do that. Thank you for sharing that. And, I, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'll be adopting that and I'll, I'll call it like the Liana brand audit. <laughs> there you go. Questionnaire. I think that'll be uh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing um, all of your pearls of wisdom. Um, I know that our audience is probably going to want to reach out and get to know more about you. So what's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? Definitely LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. So just uh, feel free to use that. Um, I work currently at Salesforce. So obviously you can reach out to me at uh, iQuinones, I-Q-U-I-N-O-N-E-Z at mm -hmm. salesforce.com. So those are the best ways to connect with me. LinkedIn, okay. definitely just send me a quick note that this is a connection through the Beyond Barriers podcast so that I know where you're coming from. Fantastic. Well, again, Ileana, thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing and such an honor to have you on the podcast. Of course, really happy to be here. Thank you very much, Monica. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode. Thank you.